Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network, where we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the media that we care about. Uh, Also, the media we don't like. Sometimes that's a fun way to to bond, um, but we're not talking about that. Today... Sway's gone and Link goes off the rails. (laughs) Today we're going to be yucking all the yums. Every yum. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I would never. I would never do such a thing um, because uh, I don't want Sway to be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. I'm just kidding. Um, We are uh, here today. I'm joined by my dear co-host, Laura. Hello. And valuable, most valuable (laughs) guest host, Kayla. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> Most valuable guest house. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's MVP. But <laughs> the P is silent. Um, uh, today we are going to be talking about anti-heroes. I think this is going to be a fun conversation. I'm excited to talk about some examples of anti-heroes that we like and resonate with. But before we do that, Let's uh, let's sort of suss out and get a working definition for what an antihero is, because um, you know not everybody uses words the same way, uh, which is great and a lovely thing about humans, um, but uh, makes for conversations to be a little weird sometimes. So let's talk about it. What what does uh, an, an antihero mean to you, Lara? Uh, some typically somebody that is put into a hero role and does not want to be. Um, usually, I mean, we're going to get into all the characters later, but like somebody who, if you're thinking about a hero's journey, which people have opinions about the hero's journey, but the person really doesn't want to hear the call, really doesn't want to, they are not the kind of person that, um, you would usually picture as a hero either. So... That's my working definition. There's probably some more nuance on it. But I've been stuck in a therapy office all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> you spent all your your uh, nuance points already today. Um, <laughs> how about you, mm-hmm. Kayla? What, what do you think? Well, I think, uh, for me, when I think about antiheroes, I often think about um, people who uh, just make such different choices than a a traditional hero does um but still gets to kind of the same end place that a hero does in maybe a more interesting way and Mm -hmm. maybe uh more challenging to their own internal complexities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. listen listeners um josue abandoned us to go to san diego comic-con and said, you know what? You can bring Kayla on and she can talk about whatever she wants. And true. so that was... Kayla said anti-heroes because she loves them. So <laughs> I do. They are my favorite character trope. Uh, yeah. So for me, the way I conceptualize an anti-hero is a character that fulfills the role of a hero in the actions taken within the story, but their motivations are very different. Um, whether that's, you know, being greedy or having other, you know, value systems that we don't generally connect to heroism, or if it is that the the choices that they make are, the, the outcome is heroic, but the choice is not heroic, that sort of thing. 
um, basically coming down to they are heroes, but their their values and their motivations are distinct from the traditional hero. Um, and I think that makes them more interesting. Um, they are not a Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do like me some Steve Rogers, but um, I've talked about him on the show a million times, how one of my favorite You characters. have? I'm shocked. A million times. <laughs> Not just, but I talk about um, one of my favorite characters um, of, I like villains, but I also like villains turned heroes, right? So like once upon a time, uh, Regina <laughs> is one of my favorite characters um, because there's nuance and like I, I'm my nuance points are gone, but I love the nuanced characters that like it's a gray area. Like nobody is all not all good and not all bad. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Is there a specific antihero you would like to start with, Kayla? I have so many. And <laughs> when do. I made my list, I was like, oh, no. Uh, I don't know how many of these are going to be really familiar to uh, the rest of you. Um, and I doubt any of you were going to read any of the books <laughs> in a day. So What? Um, but the one that actually kind of led me to being like, I really want to talk about anti-heroes, mostly because uh, I was really immersed in the book, is uh, Burrow Cormorant, which is from the the Masquerade series. Uh, I find her and her choices so fascinating. Um, and obviously I can't talk to... I don't know if you guys are going to read those books, I highly recommend them. They're very distressing, though. <laughs> is there uh, is there a way to discuss the anti-hero-ness without spoiling the plot? Yeah. So basically, she uh, it's got a lot of co- uh, like colonization themes, and so she's basically taken from her home, her home land, and brought into this larger empire (laughs) but she's like brilliant and so she has decided that she's going to basically destroy the system from within however the choices she makes throughout the whole thing is very very selfish like so selfish and also consistently forgets that other people are also playing the game and so she's often like i've made this really brilliant move and then a a chapter later she's like oh no i forgot that there's other pieces on the board um but makes ultimately in the first book makes like the ultimate sacrifice for a relatively good reason um but it really messes her up and then she just continues to like use that to leverage her really shitty choices of where she's like continuing to sacrifice people for this cause because now she's so invested in destroying the empire in this way that if she doesn't keep moving forward, all of those sacrifices she has made are like for nothing. And then Mm. what was it for? And it's to the point where like, it breaks her psyche at the end of the first book. Like it's such a fascinating, like in book two, it's like she, in book two, she literally, has cannot see out of her one half of 
one half is completely blind. But there's like no real connection, like because people are like, no, you're moving it. <laughs> what what's <laughs> happening here? Um, there's three books in this series so far. I have not read the third one, which is titled The Tyrant, Beru Cormorant. Um, and then there's a fourth book coming, but there's no release date yet. It's fantastic. It's really devastating. <laughs> um, but it's also like a really diverse uh, story. There's diverse characters. There's diverse relationships. Um, and there are people who are way more like morally sound. But she consistently makes really fucked up choices. But you know that her ultimate goal is to save her home, her homeland and destroy the group that basically destroyed her people and killed her dad. Yeah. Nice. I love her. I appreciate, I like love the shit out of her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you make such terrible choices, but I really want you to win. <laughs> I think there's something really validating about reading a story where you get to watch a character absolutely fall for the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's, the, I get such a rush as <laughs> being the yeah. reader being like, oh, you're so stupid. I would never do such a thing. I spent five years in grad school. I'm not better. I'm not better than any of them. I'm some cost fallacy myself. It's a mirror. Hey, listen, yeah. Link, you got well, out at the end. It's fascinating, right? Because in this instance, the sunk cost is is lives right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and it's like just an actual the, cost an actual <laughs> very much yeah. not just time <laughs> um, bodies yeah it ripped my heart out and i was like wow i knew it was coming i knew bad things were coming i knew it was going to end well in the first book and then it's just like you've got a ways to go friend <laughs> and you're still really far away <laughs> i think that's also part of why antiheroes can be really compelling is because based on the structure of stories we know there will be a consequence mm -hmm. for the choices that they're making and so getting to have like there is going to be fallout for whatever you chose but I'm interested to see if the author director creator or whoever uh if they use the framing that the choice itself was bad or that sometimes you just have to deal with consequences that's right. and that's how it that's mm -hmm. how it goes um, I think that's always really interesting to get to have that engagement with a story of being like I know something bad is going to happen I can't wait to find out what how bad is it gonna be <laughs> truly mm -hmm. what this about you my, Lara that's my pitch you guys need to read it now what about me? Well, the most, it's an oldie, but also a new one. I, I made you all watch Nimona. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, and I've talked about Nimona on the show before. I think Josue and I, I don't know if it was when Josue and I just did rapid fire on episodes or if I spent a whole episode talking about it. But um, I think one of the reasons I like antiheroes is because they're fairly relatable and having worked in a group home with kids who felt like, they were the bad guy and had been given the message that they were the bad guy. Um, and so I had a kid literally tell me once, like, I might as well be the bad guy. I might as well be this villain um, related to the story of Nimona, which is a graphic novel 
and now a movie on Netflix, um, graphic novel by Andy Stevenson, who was also part of the creation of the show on Netflix or the, the movie on Netflix. It is a wonderful story with lots of queerness, um, lots of lots of um, uh, trans themes in it, as is to be uh, a given because Andy Stevenson is um, themselves is trans, <laughs> which is very funny because <laughs> they wrote this comic before, before. figuring it out. <laughs> it's really a, a retrospective moment where you're like, ah, oh, the signs were there all along, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone's uh-huh. like, yeah, sorry, bud. We we didn't know how to tell you. <laughs> that does that does tend to happen, yeah. 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 Um but basically Nimona has is a shape shifting quote unquote monster in this world of knights and it's a fantasy movie, but also like based in like our times it's funny when we watched it Nina was like that's a lot of progression for a thousand years and I'm like what are you talking about look at our world <laughs> I think it's years. even further because there's flying cars right exactly exactly we have flying cars I would we not get not... in that flying car <laughs> we call Neither them planes I. it's just uh, okay. <laughs> sure. yeah. all right okay okay do you have flying horses because Nimona has flying horses Nimona is flying horses um <laughs> Nimona is great. I love Nimona. And I think that's, this is actually a great wrinkle because there is the anti-hero who is an anti-hero because of the way that others see them and is projected mm-hmm. onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking Tyrion Lannister is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did absolutely make some more villainous choices later on in the movie, but very much like the first book and the first season of the show. Like... Tyrion is mistreated by everybody because he looks different um, and they treat him as villainous because of that. And so he has that anti-hero aspect because it is coming from the external space put upon him uh, versus anti-heroes who see themselves as I I am villainous. I make selfish, greedy choices that are Mm self-serving and that makes me like villainous and then how they project that outward and then how people respond to that um i think i think that's good stuff Mm -hmm. i think that's good stuff because like nimona in the movie i don't know about the comic book but in the movie uh the actions that we see her take are very (laughs) borderline villainous Um, (laughs) she she literally wants to murder everybody yeah do you blame her (laughs) no do you blame her i do not and, and that's not. that's what makes it so interesting is like objectively destruction and murder are bad. However, mm-hmm. it's completely understandable why she feels that way and why she desires that mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. way that she's been treated and and isolated and told that she is a monster and we talk about this on the show regularly, but like people internalize that stuff and we we become the labels we apply to ourselves. And so, mm-hmm. uh, of course, Nimona's like, everybody gonna call me a monster? I'm gonna do monstrous shit. It's like, that's what you expect. I'm gonna meet your expectation. Um, Correct, which is why it resonated so much with the kids that I work with in the group home. Right? Absolutely. The, abil- the ability to like, well, fuck what everybody says about me. I'm just gonna do the things that I and in some ways it's the things that I want to do that are positive, right? Because she did 
do some good things in this movie. Absolutely. And the, and the graphic novel. And it just having that example of like, those people are wrong and I can prove that they're wrong um, was a big thing for quite a few of the the guys I work with at the group home. Um, yeah. I mean, this movie also has what you might consider an anti-villain. Like, <laughs> like the whole like... Um, but I'm not the bad guy. I'm I'm a oh, good yeah, guy. Absolutely. I, because everyone has those expectations. But it's a it's a whole flipped thing too. Like, yeah, oh, such a good movie. There were so many tears. <laughs> I do. Tears I do have house. to tell you. Like, I started this movie. Like, I knew the comic existed, but I've never read it. I started this movie, and they introduced the the main character guy. And it's like, he's a villain. And I was like, no, he's not. And then they show the actual villain is like in the scene. I'm like, that's the villain. <laughs> and then like an hour and a half later into the movie, they're like, big reveal, the villain. Like, I'm like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. After Immediately after watching the the movie, our friend sent uh, Nina and I a meme from t- that they found on Tumblr that was like, um, oh, you're the queer-coded villain. Actually, I'm the villain-coded queer, okay? Um, <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So now I need, like, a shirt that says villain-coded queer. Love it. <laughs> That's fantastic, actually. Mm-hmm. We should make those. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. That's good. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, yeah. But Nimona has been one of my favorite antiheroes for a long time. Um, and like I said, Regina from Once Upon a Time, she be- she's literally the evil queen and she does a lot of fucked up things in that show and comes around and like becomes this person that like you're really rooting for um, toward the end of the show, toward the middle of the show, I'd even say. So, yeah. yeah. I always rooted for her, but uh-huh. that's just you, me. You like to root... You definitely like to root for the villains. But you know that they're going to be good in the end, I think. I, I like my characters to be little shits, okay? That's what I like I'm them looking to be for. complicated and struggle with their choices. I like, exactly. them, I like them to be a little stinky. It's yeah. a little okay. stinky. It's okay. Honestly, they're, that's better than the ones that are squeaky clean a lot of the time. Well, it's just not true and or realistic in exactly. any real real way mm-hmm. right yeah yeah we all we talk. all do things that we regret <laughs> I, talk I about think, unattainable standards yeah i think it's such an interesting thing to put in context of like when media is coming out in our history and like when yeah. the stories that are about you know the supermans and the captain americas the white knights the always do good boy scout type like when those stories were the most popular contextualizing them by like what was going on in the world when that was being made and when it came out and how interesting that is and i think you know now in 2023 like life is so fucking complicated and I think that we want to see that reflected in our media. It's meaningful mm-hmm. to us to see that that complexity reflected back to us. Is like it's not just you, baby. Like it it's crazy out here, and people are 
doing the best they can uh, and sometimes not doing the best they can, and, but for good reasons <laughs> and stuff like that. I think that is yum, 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 yummy media well, stuff. I, I mean, you brought like the Supermans and the the Captain Americas. I think some of the most compelling stories are the ones where they do make choices that are not great um and it kind of shakes people's like a lot of people did not like the movie man of steel for whatever reasons but a lot of it is because superman's not supposed to kill anybody um but that shapes that superman throughout like oh no i did this thing and i shouldn't have done this thing um or civil war is a comic series before the movie um was one that a lot of people were drawn to because the heroes were making choices that were in conflict with each other and it was this ambiguous like who is right who is right in this story um and i mean that leads into tony stark who is definitely an anti-hero oh absolutely (laughs) he makes horrible decisions every turn of the way except when it really matters most right yeah yeah so gotta love those people that make real life decisions that uh, we don't know what the perfect decision is going to be when we make one i think uh another good example that we're all familiar with is joel from the last of us he is a very interesting anti-hero isn't he though Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very funny. Uh, like remembering the uh, the discourse around the game when the game first came out, and then getting to see the same discourse occur for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from the major plot points. Um, which I guess I can I can. Might be able to dodge actually spoiling that, but just in case, spoiler alert. Um, I think I think Joel is so interesting because people get really into arguing about whether or not the choice he made at the end of the first game and uh, the end of the show, the first season of the show, if he made the air quotes right choice or mm-hmm. air quotes moral choice. And I think that is so interesting that, that that's the aspect that people really get hung up on when the way more interesting aspect is the story of The Last of Us is we get to see the things that happened to Joel that 100% explain why he makes the choice that he makes. He made oh, the right choice for him and for <laughs> Right? Like yeah, and, and uh, yeah. what he thought the right choice was for her. <laughs> it was it was only the right choice for him and she I mean Ellie at no point had any opportunity to consent. Was pretty right. clear on Either what she anything wanted. Anything that could have happened would have been Right. Not I could her write choice. a whole dissertation <laughs> on it's. I just find it so All funny where people are just like, "Well, I don't think he made the right choice." I'm like, "That's literally the least interesting part of this." Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, no, yeah. that's not what I mean, this is about. Like, why do you do you understand why Joel made that choice? And if they're like, "Well, yeah," I'm like, "Then that that's it. That's, that's that the good stuff. That's what we're yeah. into is understanding why he would make a choice, even if we don't agree with it. 
think it was abhorrent and wrong or very funnily the people who start trying to like argue like well the science and it's like no 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 that's that's not what that's not an interesting avenue of conversation (laughs) the interestingness is like understanding how the things that happen to you throughout your life impact the choices you make and how you rationalize those choices to yourself and not so much in the show or the the game, but then further rationalize it to others in that that ripple effect of mm-hmm. how that rationalization will change based on who you are trying to rationalize it to. And Most that stuff definitely. is so good. Mm. I think if any anybody who had was tracking what had happened to him and either played the game or watched the show and didn't play the game but saw the relationship build between those two most definitely should have clocked the choice he was going to make at the end, like hours before it happened, right? Because no no human living in that context, having experienced what he experienced, was going to make a different choice. You could have clocked that choice in the first 20 minutes of the first episode. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. This is a <laughs> side note to this conversation, but the... the uh mirroring of the very early on scene of him tossing the child corpse into the fire mirrored to the ending scene of him carrying not a child corpse but similar similar body Mm -hmm. moment happening there it's like "Mm, that's so good and what's more interesting for me is the way his choices then impact ellie later Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. impact her choices right because, I mean, I have Which, my own okay. opinions about... If people For people who have only watched the show, spoiler Absolutely f- spoiler. alert for, for <laughs> Last of Us 2. I cannot <laughs> wait. I cannot wait for people to, to, to watch uh, I'm part very I can't wait to see how they, uh, it's gonna, how they do it's that gonna adaptation. It's going to be really fascinating. Um, but his choices and where it left their relationship, right really impacted her response to what happened, right? And you could argue that they may never have experienced Seattle had he been honest (laughs) with her from the beginning and had Mm -hmm. worked that out with her. Uh, But that resulted in her feeling like she had absolutely no choice but to respond to what happened to him. And in turn, she made some really very villainous choices mm-hmm. in part two and you had to play that and i think that's fascinating because mm-hmm. because here you go from part one right where you are basically playing it is everybody's it's like a power fantasy right but you're also saving someone mm-hmm. so here you go from playing this this guy who's actually quite old let me just say like <laughs> by the time the game starts he's 56, like 50 yeah. something years 50s, old yeah. right so here you are, right? You, whatever. You feel good about yourself. You're like, yes, I saved this, whatever. And then everything happens in part two. And now you are a 20-something traumatized young person who's seen so much trauma and lost so many people in her life and has never really had an opportunity to have conversations that resolve those relationships, right? In any meaningful way. Like, all of her conversations around her relationships never really got resolution. Like, no, Riley like... doesn't get resolution. Mm-hmm. 
you know, stuff with Joel doesn't totally resolve itself. Uh, and then she, and then you have to play this person who's making really tragic choices. And I think mm -hmm. it's fascinating. She's like a anti-hero villain in, in <laughs> you're basically, that's what's happening. Listen, like it, and it wasn't like, even when she was doing that stuff, I was rooting for her, right? As as I'm playing the part, as I'm playing the part of Abby, I'm like, can I just stand here and die? Can I just let Ellie kill me? That's how Please. you know she's an anti-hero because Ooh. you're like, I'm yeah. rooting for you, bad girl. Listen, I just wanted her and to go home. And you think it's all resolved, and then it's not. And then it's not. You're like, oh, okay. because she couldn't let it go. She couldn't mm -hmm. let it go. Because and other people wouldn't let her. Yeah, like she couldn't let it go. And then grown ass men had to guilt. Like it's a whole thing. Like the the way grown ass men's choices impacted Ellie should be a fucking dissertation. <laughs> truly, truly. Listeners, it should be a dissertation. Go out and write that. <laughs> because not but not one, but two grown men very much impacted her poor traumatized like and they were traumatized too, but like they're 20 some years older than her. Mm -hmm. She didn't need to go seek revenge, but she had no, she didn't feel like she had any choice. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cause she couldn't, ha she didn't have resolution. Right. Right. There and we see did. that interplay yeah. of the externalized forces versus the in internalized forces where mm -hmm. she is being told by outsiders to do the thing. And also she believes yes. about herself that that is what she can do, exactly. that that is what is available mm -hmm. to her. That it's is what she has she power over. It's like, mm, that's good stuff. Yep. And then she stares happiness in the face. And it's, I mean, like, kind of happiness. She could have gotten there. She was still struggling. But... She, she was almost there. She stared it in the face and walked away. Mm -hmm. Those are the choices antiheroes make. And then, and then, that last bit there was even more traumatizing. <laughs> oh yeah, going out to California. I think that mm -hmm. was the worst part. Truthfully, like mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. at that point. I was ready to just be like, "What are you doing? Like, let's <laughs> like I can just almost go home." <laughs> I could almost understand this stuff in the in the theater. I could almost like yeah. they built it's this back and forth, this battle. Come on, we squashed this. Let's let it go, and then we go back. I couldn't believe Jessica when I was playing. Jessica's like, "Oh, you're there. There's more," and I'm like, "What more? How could there possibly be <laughs> more here? <laughs> oh no! What else is there to say? Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to say." And Naughty Dog, if you're listening. I really just want a DLC where Ellie's going to therapy. Like, I would play the shit out of that. Let me heal Ellie, please. Please, <laughs> let me heal Ellie. <laughs> so right. she can go be happy. <laughs> I, just want, I just want her to be happy. Oh, she man. deserves it. She deserves to be a happy little queer in post-apocalypse America. Just like Bill and Frank in the show. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. All right, you guys got some more examples you want to touch on? Let's see. Boy, do I ever. I know uh, Kayla's got a long list. Well, so one that popped up as I was sitting here, as you were talking about, like, the ways, like, society projects onto us. I recently watched the Tupac documentary on Hulu. Ooh. It's like, it is so so good 
and I learned so much about his mother and and him and I had already known a ton about him I was very obsessed with Tupac in high school like very obsessed <laughs> um, and and really uh, I have even more value uh, for his music now <clears throat> after I've experienced some not mm-hmm. totally similar things but I can totally I, I can relate in a very concrete way now than I could as a teenager but Tupac I think is a great example of like somebody who really tried to reach people initially in a way that wasn't going to be all rooted in like gangster rap and stuff like that and it didn't work and instead he you know as this country does with black men had all kinds of labels thrown at him and was shit on mm-hmm. and you know was falsely accused and sent to prison and one might say villainized absolutely villainized <laughs> absolutely villainized and he found a way to like leverage it right and become and use it and put it in his music right um but even his th- this documentary also talks about like the ways in which his the Shakura family and his mother specifically were also villainized, right? Because she mm-hmm. was a Black Panther member in the 70s and was in jail and pregnant with him for a while, but like was falsely imprisoned and like all of these things. She worked her own case, did all that, fought it herself, and like ultimately won. But again, all of these these like villainous ideas placed on this woman who's really just trying to do right by her community and also advocate for like the things that they deserve like as humans right and so yeah as i was sitting here and nimona inspired me to think about tupac look at that (laughs) wow you really that's a leap but also not it it is a leap (laughs) but you know yeah the documentary is really great. I highly recommend it. Nice. It, it's interesting. I grew up listening to Tupac. Loved his music. I <laughs> I listened to a lot of gangster rap when I was young. Um, I was that white teenage girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I had never thought of him that way. I'm, I need to watch this documentary now. Watch the documentary. Read A Rose That Grew From Concrete. Read any mm-hmm. of his poetry and like yeah. in the context of 2023 read his lyrics mm-hmm. and it's like i mean this man has was saying and i think a lot of them you know nwa and all of them i think they were saying very similar things now and i think it's just very much in many of our faces in a very different way um mm-hmm. than it was then but it's really it's really interesting um it's a really interesting exploration into into him Tupac the anti-hero. I'd say Snoop Dogg fits into that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's partnering with Martha Stewart. Like <laughs> that's gotta be like a decade old at this point. I like his um Snoop Dogg's affirmations. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no one better to be than myself. Uh, Snoop is in the documentary. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Laura? You got another one? 
my brain is you, you are welcome point. to pull something off of the lists and just <laughs> yeah. claim it as your own only You're, we will know it's, it's the perfect it's, cover it's so true it's so true uh, y'all are killing me <laughs> i do have i do have a, i do have a question so uh, n- less about the character but the character from the book the faithless and the unbroken inspire it but it's these questions of like um i think i mentioned in the faithless and the unbroken this one character luca makes a lot of really terrible choices uh is very much an anti-hero um you can understand why she's making those choices to do do what she's doing again she's sacrificing people and things and really wants this stuff for relatively selfish reasons um but it's an interrogate her character she represents um the empire let's say uh it's not the french in the book but it's inspired by the like france and morocco uh but it's this question of when you relate to an anti-hero like like someone um in positions of power right so someone who's royalty who's maybe not making really great choices or is directly impacting and connected to like colonization, right? And that's kind of what's happening in these books. Um, And the author has talked a lot about like, how can I, you know, most often people are going to relate more with Luca because they're closer to that position than they are to the other uh, main character's position, who is a conscripted military individual. Um, And so it's interesting though, because the author talks a lot about like wanting those connections to then leverage thinking about and getting people to start thinking about inter- in, interrogating their own understandings of you know imperialism and colonization and like all of these things and so a roundabout way like the question kind of like what when an anti-hero or a character can can do that i mean like people get uncomfortable about it right but like how do you instead like lean into it and try to actually unpack it because i think anti-heroes can be really great vehicles for helping people like look at that stuff and be like oh yeah okay let's unpack that or maybe it's just me (laughs) no no i think you're totally right and i think that's why uh video games make a good avenue for this because they have the player like like with joel in the last of us the player is embodying joel and so the distance for the player to emotionally connect with the character is much shorter because you are literally moving them around in a space um, and so that's you know part of why so many people were upset at the ending of The Last of Us is because they're like, I would never make that choice. And the game's like, it's not a choice for you. It's Joel's choice, and he was never going to make any other choice. And you just have to play it. And you have to deal with the emotional fallout of doing this action that you don't co-sign, but because you have spent all this time learning about Joel and coming to understand him, maybe care about him, all of these things, and just being like, oh that's that's where it's that's where it's real juicy to really dig into that stuff about how we you know frame the choices that people make and how we put people into boxes like that's a bad person um 
because of this one thing or uh, my perception of that one thing. And it's I think it's um, video games are a, a good place to delve into that kind of nitty gritty philosophical stuff um, because of that player embodiment. Um, it gets people to lower a lot of the barricades they would put up normally when talking about that stuff. It's funny when you brought up video games and and that and Joel again. I went to well, fuck, well, I in Life is Strange, I decided to save my girl instead of save everybody else. I'm totally villainous right there, but that's me making the choice, mm-hmm. right? It's um, very different. Mm-hmm. Giving, very giving different. the player that choice. It's like yeah. now you ha- you have to own the consequences. That's on your shoulders, not on on the character. Which then brought my brain to playing tabletop RPGs. Right? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> because well, when we when we played when we streamed on cast, one of our checkout questions was usually, "What did your character do that you would not have done?" Right? Or what was something that surprised you? Mm. Um, and, I mean, half the time I play myself when I'm playing games. You play um, the most wholesome character, so, like, I... You know what? I Find me an... An- like, this is a challenge. Lara, <laughs> play an anti-hero. It, create an anti-hero character. That may, that may happen in our next game. Who knows? Um, but thinking about that question, like, a lot of times there weren't many things that surprised me about what I had my character do. But I, and the question is, like, is there something they did that that you, that surprised you or is something you wouldn't do? When in reality, I mean, it's that alibi, but you're making that conscious decision. You're making the choice that your character does this thing. Um, and so that's another way to kind of learn about ourselves and relate to these antiheroes and, like, think about... Even if the character does something you disagree with, you can think about your relationship to what they did. Yeah. Kayla and I have basically written a dissertation on this. So. <laughs> it's just a lot of dissertations. Most, mostly. Most, uh, kind of a dissertation. I don't know. I, I mean, a presentation. <laughs> speak can, speak go get a tag. Get a tag yeah. to your three media pass and you, can, you can see it. Speaking yeah. of uh, tabletop characters, I... I asked Joe, I was like, on a scale of one to anti-hero, where does Trey fall? And Trey is my, is the monk that I'm playing in this game that Lara and I and, play and, and Joe is our, um, uh, DM. is our DM. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're at like a two. And I was like, okay, uh, you need to work on that. Um, but I do think that uh, at period. <laughs> Next game, I, I'm committing a war crime. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not war crimes, but Trey uh Trey is not a completely uh mm-hmm. Trey's very morally gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um uh-huh. I do think uh Lexa has made a lot of anti-hero choices. Mm-hmm. Um for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, when I did um, so in our D&D game, we've been doing some like leveling up. So some one on one with the DM and I finally gave Joe my backstory and Joe was like, wholesome, a wholesome backstory in my D&D, <laughs> a queer character with a wholesome backstory. It's never I'm been done here for it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's been great. We're working on some good stuff. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. But it's. 
You know, I well, love the anti-heroes, but I play <laughs> the goody two-shoes. You play, it's like, great. the sweetest characters ever. It's, it's sometimes I'm like, just kill someone. <laughs> Oh, well, just <laughs> yell. <laughs> we'll see what happens next game. Speaking of killing someone, what about Kratos? You yeah. know, that was on the list and I was drawn to that. Kratos kills a lot of fucking It was your people. idea, mm-hmm. Lara. Kratos was I yours. Know. Yeah, Kratos is um Kratos. I mean, I have related to Kratos. Like, well, no. I have not necessarily related to Kratos, but we did a whole episode on It's okay if you did, truthfully. Like I mean, there, there's many moments, but there was a whole point of, we did a whole episode on the f- first one of the Kratos uh, in Norse mythology games. Um, and uh, I mentioned that it was that my dad and his experience of losing my mom and having to like drag me around um, was like Kratos and Atreus. And... My dad is very much, he is more wholesome than I am. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Although now, I don't know about the past. I've heard some stories, but like, he is very wholesome. The sweetest man you'll ever meet. Very not Kratos, but definitely still that that's that piece there of like, what do I do with this kid who lost their mom? How do, how um, do I uh, handle my own grief while also juggling my... Uh, dependence child's grief and I definitely pushed some buttons as a teenager with, with him um, as is developmentally but, appropriate exactly exactly um I but I have, think Kratos I just have Kratos yelling boy stuck in my head now <laughs> I do uh-huh. I do think it's oh. really interesting that if you're just looking at that uh, I think it's 2018 God of War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kratos is just a hero. He's just a hero Ab- in that yes. one. Ab- He's only agree. an anti-hero mm-hmm. if you include the original God of War games where he is absolutely yes. right. doing bad stuff yes. for uh, oh, yeah. questionable reasons. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, But also understandable reasons, right? Yes, like, I mean, yes. I can absolutely I mean, see where he's coming from. Any, but You can say that of any, like, moral, like, most anti-heroes, but definitely a lot of villains, right? There's reasons, mm-hmm. and Nina gets mad at me all the time. I'm like, but look, look at these horrible things that happened to them. Of course they're doing this. And she's like, shut up. Can't you just hate them? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a therapist in me. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, his family, he lost his family. These people are using him. These gods are using him. Um yeah, of course he's going to be it's like murderous. I totally and- understand why one would seek revenge in that situation. But also, that situation mm-hmm. is because of Kratos' choices. And so it's like, exactly. ooh, it's a little bit of just a consequence. Um, yeah. But revenge is a, a reasonable <laughs> outcome, I guess. Those games are fun. Um, but yeah, I do blast. I do think the 2018 one is like much better. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Kratos mm-hmm. is Kratos is a good example um, because physica- like physically he is you know a big strong white guy who's tough and uh, protects children and women and and kills bad guys and like that is that is but the also hero. is like I'm on my mission I'm just on my mission fuck you all yes and then ends up getting sucked into things along the way exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, man. No. I think um, another good example that we don't necessarily have to delve into deeply uh, but should touch on is Walter White from Breaking Bad because I think he is sort of on this other end of the anti-hero spectrum where he is – he's a villain. He's a villain. Um like in the he was he was a I I haven't watched a whole lot of Breaking Bad but I do know the premise and he was a good guy before all the shit happened to him and then he becomes a villain. Yes. He becomes like a drug lord, doesn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's very okay. I think part of why that show was so popular and so compelling is because he very much fulfilled like obviously he is the protagonist of his story, but he also all of the bad things that happened to him were almost all of the bad things that happened to him were directly because of the things that he chose to do. And so it's like he fulfills his own antagonist role Mm. as well. And it's like, yes, there are other villains within the story, but none of them have the same impact as what Walter White does to himself. I always thought that was very interesting. Isn't that the truth for us all? Isn't that the truth? We are our own worst antagonist? Yes. Yes. I just had a conversation with someone about that today. <laughs> oh, the other, the other one I would like to mention, but we don't necessarily have to delve into more, is uh, Bojack Horseman. I think he is a fantastic antihero um, and an incredibly interesting character. Um, Say more. It's a, it's a great show. He is uh, a terrible person. And then everything you learn about him and his past is like, yeah, no, that explains it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, that explains it. Oh, you're incredibly selfish. Oh, yeah. The the, the way that your parents treated you, that tracks. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, great, great show. Very interesting characters. Um I think it's in the last season. He has a conversation with, oh, no, I'm forgetting her name. Shoot. Anyways, he's having a conversation with his friend, and um, she's talking to him. And it's like they've had a lot of up and downs throughout the relationship. They've both done, like, mean things to each other um, and intentionally pushed on sore spots that they are aware of uh but at the end it's like you know talking is like despite all that i am grateful to you um for being part of getting me here where i am now and i think that's a really lovely sentiment and i i like having that where it's like it would be so easy to just completely villainize bojack and be like you're bad guy and you do bad guy shit and not give any more complexity to that conversation. But the show is not interested in having it be like that. They're like, no, the the complexity is what makes these characters compelling and interesting and relatable because none of us are all of anything at any time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, maybe maybe we should switch to um, some more personal example. I think to talking about in therapy – uh, being being your own antagonist, I think that's definitely <laughs> relatable. Truly, truly, truly relatable. Truly. Is there? Can, can you? Can either of you think of a time in your life where you're like, I'm the antihero? <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> hi, it's me. I'm, I'm the, the problem. problem. It's me. Um, 
Yeah, no, there's plenty of things that like I could say other things are getting in the way, but it's like, nope, I'm not making the time to do the thing. Um, I don't know. You know, I've made choices, I suppose, that some people could see as like being bad choices, inherently bad choices to make. Uh, but I thought they were the right choices. Uh, morally, I think they were the right choice. Um, and like, how do you unpack that though when those choices result in you being villainized, right? Like I, I've experienced that. Um, and so how do you, yeah, I mean, let me tell you, it takes a lot of narrative therapy. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say it. it's a lot harder to unpack the anti-hero self if it's yourself <laughs> rather yeah, than a, a fun absolutely. little character on a show. Absolutely, Be which I think in some ways is like partly why I personally relate so hard to to characters who are more like anti-hero in nature because I have made those choices uh, that maybe have definitely been villainized by groups of people for one reason or another you know and i felt <laughs> that they were still the right choice to make um and so it makes me feel a little less alone for sure um and then i think about like how do i you know then you have to like unpack it right like and and remind yourself that like it was still the right choice for me and like just because one one group of people or or a large does it that doesn't mean that it was a wrong choice um con you know context and uh understanding of where you fall in terms of like what you feel is ethical and moral and what have you also come into play right uh but that doesn't even if you feel like you're on the right side, doesn't mean that you can't feel like you've done a villain thing, right? It goes back to Lara's whole point about with the kids in treatment centers, right? Where they're just like, what the hell's the point? <laughs> if I'm just going to... What's the point? You're just going to... Everyone's you know? just going to keep seeing me this way. So why do anything different? Yeah. yeah. To spin that to a little more of a, like... A happier note on that like i think about what queer person hasn't felt like an anti mid made to feel like a villain or yeah. an anti-hero at some point in their lives and like there's a point where people get to well you're gonna hate me regardless so fuck it i'm gonna be happy you know um i'm still gonna go do the things that make me me um well now you're just those... quoting taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to. It's hard. She's written so many fucking words. So true. So many words. Anything could be a Taylor Swift quote now. Literally, she said enough things that you could get some AI and make her say literally anything. That's terrifying. <laughs> like Josue talks about all the time how he could make me or Link or Mark say anything. He'd probably make you say anything at this point. That sounds like a threat, Josue. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Josue's yeah. in his anti-hero phase. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. We should ask him. Yeah. Okay. All right, listeners, write in if you think that's happening. <laughs> 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 but no, like, how 
we had like you brought up Taylor Swift. I said this is the problem. I'm the problem. It's me earlier. But yeah, like I think it's one of those things that like I don't know. People, it's that pressure that other people put on us, and this idea that they see us as this villain. Um, I, on a societal level, I have seen that personally in my life. I don't have much experience with that being having the privilege of growing up in the Bay Area. Um, but um, it is definitely a thing that, like, thoughts of, like, well, wouldn't it be easier if? No, no. Um, I, I tend to, I tend to stick by my choices as, um, as they, even if they are fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Thoughts, Link? What are your villainous things you've done in your life? Let's spill it to everybody. (laughs) How did you unpack it? Oh, no. Um, I... I'm trying to lots of years of therapy. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean obviously the just the basic like growing up being a teen is really hard and part of being a human, but most especially being a teen is you make mistakes and you're supposed to learn from them, but society is very keen to just jump on and be like, "Oh, actually you're just a bad guy now." Um that sucks. Uh, for a more specific example of a time I was doing anti-hero shit, uh, there was someone who needed help, uh, and I didn't particularly want to help, and I didn't particularly feel that they deserved my help, but somebody else said something shitty about it, and so I helped that first person just to make that second person look bad. All right. So a heroic mm-hmm. act, but for bad motivation reasons. <laughs> um, that is very anti-hero behavior. Yeah, it is very anti-hero behavior. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, listening to you guys talk is like very much true. Once once you make a decision, like our, our brains are wired to be like that. We will rationalize as to why that was the correct oh, yeah. decision. Oh, yeah. Um, and that we wouldn't change a thing. I'd always pick the same thing that I picked, uh, even if that's not true. But I do think it's important to like be aware of that and see it reflected in our media. Um, that that internal wrestling that we have of, you know, mm-hmm. deciding what acts we can do to promote the values we hold versus reactions to things that are happening to us. Um, and having to find balance and acceptance within that space. Absolutely. I have spent, personally, working through some of my anti-hero stuff, I have spent a lot of time around um, choices and like, okay, because since, you know, I've made these choices and this has resulted in these really uh, painful experiences, um, how do I, you know, f- continue to feel like I can make, quote unquote, right choices or can continue to trust that my choices are the right choices for me um, and are sound for me, uh, you know, because when when your choices do get villainized or appear one way to society and they don't care for the to understand it, it, it can then right you can spend a lot of time feeling like I can't make choice, good choices at all. 
So then what does that mean, right? And so finding ways to just remind yourself to trust in yourself when you make choices, right? And that if you've done the work or are doing the work, um, you're going to make the choices you need to make that are correct for you, no matter what, no matter what anyone says. And most importantly, if you're feeling a little bit bad about it, I would like to remind you that we have all agreed that antiheroes are more interesting characters, so at least you Facts. are more interesting. <laughs> you are more interesting. Also, the they're my favorite person. characters. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, any, yeah. any other closing thoughts? Yeah, I think when we play, when I bring uh, Geek Therapy Adventures back, you should create an antihero character. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Done for it, <laughs> and then we can see how that plays out because it'll be fun. There, they make a whole group of antiheroes. <laughs> please, please, please. It'll be fun that way. Look, I've tried to not play chaotic good, but it's never worked for me. <laughs> I, I, and I always like, swerve right I'm back into chaotic, chaotic good. good. <laughs> it's like it's like trying to play. It's like trying to play Commander Shepard as like anything but a paragon doesn't work I just for me. keep sliding back over there to. paragon again oops yeah oh, what do you yeah. mean i have to like yell at liara i would do never that. do that that's my beautiful wife never... <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say i was just gonna say that it's just a bunch of queer people here because not a single one of us are gonna tell her no <laughs> It's true. Absolutely perfect, not. Perfect group. All right. Well, she gets whatever she wants. Any, any closing thoughts, Laura? I think my closing thought is much like the kids that I worked with. Think about like no matter what you have done, you still can make a decision to do something different in the future. Yes. Um, those decisions you have made might be the ones that are right for you in the moment, and the things you will do in the future will be right for you in that moment. But you have gained whatever skills and tools you have even just listening to us ramble for an hour um you know you have tools to do something different in the future um and that means it once a villain doesn't mean always a villain so you can always be the anti-hero well thank you so much for a lovely episode and thank you to our listeners for joining in you can find our social media links in the show notes uh Drop us a comment on the forums or say hi to me in the Discord. Uh, Remember to geek out and do good. And we will be back next week. Bye. Thank you. Geek Therapy is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to making the world a better place through geek culture. To learn more about our mission and become a supporter, visit geektherapy.org. 